Well, let's uh, bring Pastor Jeff up uh, uh, to bring the message and let me pray as he comes up. God, we're so glad to have our friend back from sabbatical and refreshment and ask that you would open our hearts now to what you have to say to us. Be the focus of our time, as excited as we are to hear your word and hear of your activity in our beloved's life. We pray that you would remind us that you want to do something good in our hearts as well and use your servant to do it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 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 Uh, that's nice, yeah. Very polite of you. I, like a bad habit, I told you I was coming back. Man, how sweet to be here today, to be in this building, in this room. When I left, it was chaos and it was a mess. And now it's only half chaos, so it is awesome to be, have missed most of the chaos. Thank you for all the work that you guys did while I was gone. That was awesome. And it's a great day to be back to, to see uh, the baby get dedicated, your grandbaby. He, this is, did you get that that's Art's grandbaby? Did you get that? I mean, we know that it's Becca and Anthony's baby. I mean, so, you know, good. But it is your grandbaby, and you've been insufferable till that baby got born. Yeah. But this is the family of God, man, and it is great to be back with you. Lynn and I have been gone for three months. We got on an airplane the day, uh, a couple days after our sabbatical started. We dropped our son off in Seattle. I think I told you we were going to do that. And um, for college, he's our fourth kid, and it's our last kid. And so we dropped him off, and we drove back to an empty house. And then we went to the airport. And we got on a plane because uh, we were going to take off for a sabbatical. You know, sabbatical is about resting and refreshment and practicing this truth, just like a Sabbath is, just like today is for you. Remembering and practicing this truth that I believe that God is real and I believe my life is his and I believe that he's in control of all of it and I believe that this world is under his love and care and sovereignty. And I'm going to go and practice rehearsing that truth for some time. That's what we do right now. That's what you're doing right now. And Linda and I thought the best way to do that is to get on a plane because otherwise we were going to see you at Costco, Leroy, and it was going to blow the whole deal. So we took off. We've been playing the credit card game. I had been getting new credit cards and getting the bonus miles on them and saving up for two and a half years. I had so many miles. You know, you could do that. You can call the credit card company and say, I want, give me some miles. And they'll go, great. You want the credit card? I go, yeah, great. Is the first year free? They go, yeah. And then after the first year, I go, I call them back and go, you know, I just wanted the bonus miles. I don't really want to pay the annual fee. I'm going to cancel. They go, okay. <laughs> so we went to Italy. <laughs> I know, isn't that awesome? We got on the plane. I had planned the trip 11 months in advance, 331 days actually in advance, because that's when you can get the seats available on miles. Did you know that? 331 days in advance. I got the seats. We had the plan. We had our ideas of what this was going to be like. We flew from here in SFO to Chicago the very first morning of sabbatical. Five weeks we were going to be gone. And we got to Chicago and our plane was delayed. And then it was delayed. And then it was delayed. It was mechanical problems. And then they canceled our flight. The very first day of our deal. 
And I'm watching it all start to crumble, 331 days of planning and charts and graphs and credit cards and and it all just sort of slipped out of my grasp. And then I knew, I watched as the time went and we were going to miss our connecting flight in Germany to get to the motherland. And then I knew we were going to probably miss being able to stay at the hotel that we had reserved and paid in advance. We wanted to do something special when we first got there. And I watched it all just fall apart. You know, I stood at the window watching them fix the airplane like I was going to be helping it happen. <laughs> and I knew God in, the, in Chicago, I knew God was saying to me, sabbatical is going to be about letting go. Can you do that? No. <laughs> he was so committed to me knowing from the beginning what this was going to be about so that the fruit of what he wanted to do in our lives would be there. And you know what happened? Of course what happened is once I let that go, it was unbelievably freeing. And once we, just, when we got to Dusseldorf and we missed our connecting flight and I knew that and we weren't going to get into Milan that night until later in the evening and we had a five-hour drive to the little special place I reserved, the little special place I reserved. And, uh, and, we were, and I was going to be absolutely exhausted. It was instead of getting at 10 in the morning to Milan, we we're going to get there at 7 at night to Milan and we we're going to have to drive five hours in Italy and I was going to have been up for 30 hours and the whole craziness and, uh, you know, it was just all. But once, we, when we get to Dusseldorf and we realize that was a day, we're like, we got a free day in Dusseldorf. Who gets to go to Dusseldorf? Nobody. <laughs> so we left the airport, we went to Dusseldorf, I got the one bratwurst of my entire sabbatical. It was awesome. And because, uh, as you know, I lost some weight before I went and then ate my way through the last three months. Ate my bratwurst, guilt-free. It was awesome. We had this incredible day in Dusseldorf. We bundled up in our down jackets and we walked along the river and we just experienced the presence of God and I experienced having to let go of my plan. We got on the plane at the end of the day, got to Milan that night, got into our Ford Escort wagon. Sweet. And... Uh, got on the autostrada in Italy and drove the five hours in like four and realized I had gone all the way through the jet lag thing so that now I was actually awake. And so instead of, Linda said, that's all right, we'll make it through together. We'll, we'll be together. We'll, we'll, we'll do this. We're going to have this adventure and we'll be okay. And I look over and she's like this. <sighs> drove the four or five hours down get into our hotel at one in the morning and wake up and open the curtains to the Mediterranean. And all I did was lay there and think to myself, we made it. We got a bratwurst. I got to drive 100 miles an hour for the whole time. I was awake. Here's this unbelievable place. And God has already wrestled control out of my hands. That, my friends was our sabbatical. That sense of can I and will I remember the truth that God is in charge and that the whole world is his and that I am in his hands and therein will be life. Come on now, church. And I want to share with you a couple of things that we learned on sabbatical that we remembered because I want you to hear them because you 
you need to be reminded of these things, especially in this new year. The, the series that you've been doing on the ge- dangerous generosity, this was the theme. That story was about if I let go of control of all my little, this is going to be an amazing trip. And then from the very beginning, all my details would fall apart, but God would give me what I needed and withhold from me what I didn't need. And in that was life. Now, church, come on. That's a reminder for all of us. And this, you're doing this theme on dangerous generosity. Well, you know what? That was our theme, that God was generous to us. I mean, for sure, the generous part relates to this church. You and this church were so generous to allow us to have a sabbatical policy. That's an amazing idea. And I would be, I would be totally supportive of it even if I was not able to take advantage of it. It's an incredible idea. It was very generous. It was so generous of my colleagues to pick up all of my responsibilities while I was gone. So generous of my ministry leaders to just say, I'm doing it without you. I'm not calling you. We're going to do this. It was so generous. But that wasn't the generous part. That's not why the theme was generous. The generous part was that God was so generous in his heart for us on sabbatical. And that was part of the reminder that we needed. That God's heart was so generous for us. So generous in restoration, so generous in refreshment, so generous in renewal of the thing, renewal, becoming new in the things that are most important. Here's a verse that would serve as a sermon text because I'm going to preach to you in a few minutes about a couple of things I want you not to forget. 1 John 3.1 says, see how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, exclamation point. And that is what we are, exclamation point. That's what it says in your Bible, exclamation point. It's not in the Greek, but the words are this emphasis. See how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, exclamation point. And that is what we are. God's love has just been lavished on us so that we become his people, we become his children with all the passion and the doting and the, and the care and the, the heart for our children, like Becca and Anthony have for Oliver, like Art and Brenda have for their grandson. And this is what God has done for us. So generous. And so he was so generous in the things that he knew that we needed and so generous to withhold the things that we didn't need. And so all through this sabbatical, we encountered in his will beauty and and fun and adventure and peace and rest. Is that right? My, uh, I, I don't know if I've done something. Thank you, Jeff. It was so, it was just lavished on us. These are the words in Linda's journal that I stole and I wrote down last night. November 5th, five weeks into it, Linda says, November 5th, I wept. Everything that has been adding up increasingly day by day has been more and more beauty More and more gifts, more and more joy, more and more freedom, more and more presence, more and more of his word, more and more of his voice, more and more of his touch. That's what happens, friends, when we stop and rehearse the truth that God is and that he's in control and that we're his and his life, the life that we have is given to us from him. He lavishes on us. Isn't that great news? So it was a time for us to remember. George MacDonald, a 
Scottish poet has famously written in this one poem, he's famously written this line, sometimes I awake and lo, I have forgot. Sometimes I awake and I realize I forgot. I forgot that God is near. I forgot that I'm his. I've forgotten the deepest things. I wake up and in the midst of the everyday life, I've forgotten what it's really all about. And this was the time for us to remember. And friends, I want to share with you a couple of things that I may have forgotten prior to going. And I want to share them with you because I think at the beginning of our new year, there's things that we need to all be remembering. There's things that we can't forget. Things maybe you need to remember again. And they, keep, they may be keeping with this theme of generosity as well. Number one, I may have forgotten, friends, who he is. I may have forgotten who he is and what a savior he is. I may have forgotten in the, the 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 and now 30 years that I have tried to walk with Jesus. I may have forgotten what a savior he is and how desperately I need him. Does that resonate with any of you at the beginning of a new year? He has been so generous over my story. Come on now. How great. See how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That somewhere along the line in my journey that he went in and he found this little Mazzarello family and he watched this marriage break up and he watched this brokenhearted 13-year-old and he came and he said, let me put you over here into this person's life and let the gospel come in a way and let me open your ears and let me capture your heart. And that was just the beginning. That God continues to save me and orchestrate and capture my heart every day for 30 years. I might have forgotten that. Sometimes I awake and lo, I have forgot. See, the text says, see how great is this love that God has lavished, and that is what we are. God has lavished me with his love and forgiveness, and he, he's captured my heart. He's then transformed it and given me a new heart and put his spirit within me. He has given me healing, and he continues to give me transformation. He continues to walk with us. He's done it all, friends. He's done it all, and he continues to transform, and he continues to do so and to walk and to love and to give us grace with no condemnation because we're in Christ. Somewhere along the line, you sort of forget. You know, you get saved really early and you're like, man, I was a loser. I cannot believe the grace that God gave me. And then somewhere along the line, we start to feel a little bit of a sense that maybe now I sort of owe him some stuff and I sort of better live into that and I better be worthy of that kind of a calling. And those are all true to some degree or another. But somewhere along the line, we sort of forget that the whole deal is the lavished love of God who rescued us when we were beyond helping ourselves. He has given it to us freely. There's now no more condemnation for those that are in Christ our sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. He has taken it and thrown it as far away as could possibly be in the heavens. And, and we're his people. And that's a reality we get to live in every day. My God, how are we not joyful over that every single day? Right? I think I might have forgot that a little bit again. And so at this, on our sabbatical, we went to a worship conference in London. 
it was really a good excuse to go to London, right? And, um, and I was worshiping on the, um, the second day of the conference in our worship experience. And it wasn't, I wasn't like all that, you know, captivated or into it or whatever. I was just still a little full from Italy. And um, I was kind of sitting, uh, you know, had my arms on my knees and was listening to the music, and I didn't really know the song, so I wasn't all that captured by it. And one of the worship leaders said something that just began to strike me, and I had that unmistakable weight. I wrote in my journal, it had the unmistakable weight of the Holy Spirit. You know that feeling? And it was like, and maybe it was because I had been a month of rehearsing the truths, and who gets that privilege? But it was like the floodgates were open and God was speaking to me more clearly than I've ever heard him speak. Well, as clearly as I've ever heard him speak. And this is what he said. All I've ever wanted is your heart. All I've ever wanted is your heart what it's been about from the beginning and I just felt this flood of word from the Lord about it's your heart that I've captured it's your heart that I've created it's your heart that I've loved it's your heart that I can see fulfilled in me it's your heart it's all I've ever wanted is that you give me your heart and then I heard this but you've become such a doer why did you become such a doer? And I felt all of the love and the grace of my heavenly parent and my father in heaven saying to me all I've ever wanted is your heart, but you're such a doer. And I felt it with a smile on his face, like saying, I know, I get it. All you humans are that way. You do and you perform and you succeed and you try and you work it. All I've ever wanted is your heart. Can we go back to the things that we did at the beginning, which was when as a bride devoted to her groom in the days of her youth would follow him out into the desert, as the prophet Jeremiah has written. I'll go anywhere to follow you. Here's my heart. And having been gone from my work and my job and my responsibilities and my image and your guys' all of that. It was restored to this moment of purity of God saying, all I've ever wanted was your heart. But you've been such a doer. Haven't we all? Haven't we all somewhere missed it? And become people who are doing when God says, don't forget, the root of this is that I've captured your heart. I've made it new. I have forgiven you completely. And it's finished. That's a foundation, friends, that some of us need to be remembering today at the beginning of this year. Do you need to hear that? Do you need to hear that? That he simply is captivated by you. That's why he has captured your heart. And you can't do anything more to make him love you more. And you can't do anything less. You can't do anything to make him love you less. That's the foundation of the good news we have. Otherwise, what do we have to share with anybody? I need to remember that. I may have forgotten what a savior he is. I also may have forgotten who I am. 
I may have forgotten a little bit who I am, but I've become convinced again of how generous God has been and is being over me and who he's made me and what he's made me to do. Self-image is a very scary, just deep waters, thick, yucky, hard thing for all of us. But there's something incredibly spiritual about getting a Sabbath and getting alone and getting quiet with God and rehearsing the truth, listen now, that God is absolutely delighted in who he's made you to be. And you need to be too. And I may have forgotten a little bit who I am. And it isn't who I am, oh, aren't I so amazing? It's related to this first truth that this God who loves me and who's captured me has then given me gifts and passions and desires and deep heart for him and things of him that then give me a person to be and a life to live and a job to do, my friends. And it's awesome. And there isn't any like levels of, well, he got pastor gifts, so of course God's pleased with him. But me, no, no. We all need this reminder that God has made us to be and to do who we are to be and to do. There was some point in our sabbatical where there was one point where we sort of turned to each other and realized we had been gone long enough to where you probably have forgotten us a little bit. And you had gotten used to us not being here. And so you know what that means. It was a brutal reality. We're not, we're not really needed. I mean, let's be honest. Look at you. Y'all here. Y'all fine. Jesus keeps showing up every week. That's a weird thing to experience. Most of us don't ever get to experience that because we don't really Sabbath enough to let ourselves be unnecessary. Well, we had to. It's part of the rules. And then not only that, but once we started to feel that, we had to go and be that way for another two-thirds of the time. It was, it was a weird experience. But here's what it did for me. It was weird to not do what it is that I do. So as a result, I didn't have to do anything. I had to go into my heart that God has given me and that God has made me and ask, who am I really when I'm not doing what it is that I do? And who do I want to be? And what has God put in my heart to do? And it was sort of like the real me. I had to look at the real me. God forbid. What is really in my heart? What has God put there? And there's this renewal experience when we stop and remember that God has made me to be and to do somebody that I was created to be and to do. It's like then we get to ask, well, what is that? Do I really believe this stuff or not? Do I want to live for Jesus or not? What do I really think about this sin? Do I cherish it and I desperately need the help of God to come and kill that in me? Or, or do I really abhor it and want to live free from it? And so why do I keep thinking that I have to live like this? What's in my heart? What's God made me to be? Am I the dad I want to be? If not, then why not? It's a rebooting. My computer died just now at the end of my sabbatical. So I had to start over again. 
And I was freaking out and getting John Dirks to help me try to restore a failed hard drive and get some stuff back on my computer, whatever. My wife's response was, that's awesome, fresh start. (laughs) I had eight years of ministry emails and documents and planning and notes and thoughts. And Linda's like, great, the future, let's go. (laughs) Who am I really? What's God put in my heart to be and to do? Here's what I think, friends. I think most of us aren't very in touch with our hearts, and I want to remind you, maybe in this new year, it's time for you to ask, what have you put in my heart, God, to be and to do? And am I faithful to that? Am I doing that? Am I that person? Or am I living a role that I really don't want to live and to be? And I've lived fake most of the time and so much that I don't even really know who I am. We need some time to go back and to reflect what has God put in my heart to long for, to live for, to be like, and then God, am I living that out by your grace and by your power? I think a lot of us, I think a lot of you safely, it's safe to say, have been longing for something more. There's something deep down covered up, God forbid you look at the real thing, but we're way down in there are some desires, some dreams to be significant to the Lord, in God's kingdom. And we're like, I don't even know how to do that. And so we just give up. And some of us have dreamed who we could be with Jesus and for Jesus. But life has thrown so many disappointments, one after another. Come on now, this is a word for somebody. The disappointments of life have piled up to where we dare not dream any more that God could do something epic in us or through us. If that is tugging at your heart this morning, it's a reminder you need at the beginning of this year that your heart is right because it's good because he's healed it. And your desires deep down to live and to be something epic for God are right. How do we get into a place of trusting God to lead us into what that really is supposed to be? I don't want to be anything less than God has created me to be, friends. This new year, what's in your heart? Who, do you, who are you really and what do you long to do and what do you long to be? So I think I may have forgotten a bit what a savior he is and I may have forgotten who I am. And you'll hear more about what I've learned about who I am. Probably I'll give you a hint. The good news is I'm not a whole lot different than the you that I was presenting before I left. So that's good news. (laughs) But I want to be more of me for him and for you. (laughs) I know that's a frightening thought to some of you, but here it comes, you know, more of me. But third and last, I, I may have forgotten a bit who we are and what he wants to do and what he is doing in Marin and in Marin Covenant Church. I may have forgotten a bit. But I've become convinced again of how generous he has been over the story of this place and over the story of what he's doing in Marin. 
I'm convinced again of how generous he is in that story. I was reminded on our, on our sabbatical again that we were in a spiritual battle, and I got reminded because the week before I left, I got walloped by the enemy. The scriptures tell us, friends, that our, our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, it's against the authorities and the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. That's what the scriptures tell us. And if we think that we're not in a battle and that life's going to be all nice, then we're never going to be prepared for all of these truths that we're talking about. And I got my tail kicked right before I left. Do you think that's a coincidence? It was a stupid miscalculation on the part of the devil because all it did was throw me into the arms of Jesus. But I got reminded of the spiritual battle that we're in, and many of us are aware of the battle that goes on at MCC and in Marin, and when we try to see God's kingdom come, we want to bring the love and the truth of Jesus. We long to see hearts healed and people set free. Come on, we see the hindrances of that, of seeing God come through and do amazing things. We see that hindrance all the time. We recognize that it's a battle. We know that that's difficult, and so we get discouraged, and that's what war does. That's what battle does. It discourages us. We get exhausted by the blood and the guts and the seemingly little advance that we make. But on my sabbatical, getting out of the daily battle and getting some rest and some perspective, having the troops rotated, being able to pull away from the front lines a little bit and to be able to go and, 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 and sort of sit in headquarters and go, there's, there's more stuff going on than the front that I was fighting or whatever. There was some reminder, there was some remembering that, that needed to be done. And I was able to pull away from that. I was able to dwell not just on the hard stuff. You know the hard stuff? The stuff where God hasn't shown up yet in your life. God hasn't shown up in your family. God hasn't shown up in your neighborhood. God hasn't shown up the way we long for him to show up in our world. But stepping away from that a little bit, I was able to remember a really important reality. God's glory cannot be defeated. Not where his church is. Not where his people are. Not even in Marin. It is very hip. It is very Christian-y Marin-ish to talk about how hard Marin County is. How dark Marin County is. My friends, Marin County is no different than anywhere else. It has its own unique set of challenges. It's no different than anywhere else. And can I tell you what the truth is? The truth is, as Psalm 8 tells us, that he has set his glory above the earth. Do you know what that means? Listen to what Psalm 8 says. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. You know what that's a way of saying in the Hebrew? You've set your glory over the earth. You've set your glory as a banner on top of all that's going on here. You've set your glory just over Marin Covenant and over Marin County. It is not a dark county, my friends. It is a county that is covered with the glory of God. That's the truth. And we forget that. We forget that. We rightly get discouraged. We're defeatists sometimes, understandably. But the truth is that no enemy of God's kingdom can win. And no enemy of God's kingdom can ever actually be winning, though it looks like we're not having the victory. That is a hope we have desperately got to cling to, or we will not be the people of God that he has for us to be. 
Your glory is above the heavens. It's over Marin. And it says this in verse 2, And through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. Is that beautiful? Through the praise of children and babes, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Here's what it means, that when we gather as a church to worship and we remember who he is and what he has done through Christ and who we are and what we can be and what we can do, then my friends, the battle is won. The battle is won. A stronghold against all his enemies has been established when we worship. That's why when we get together, we we worship authentically. When we worship authentically, we worship by the Holy Spirit. This is how it happens. We worship by the Holy Spirit, and where the Holy Spirit comes, the enemy is defeated. So defeated that it's even out of the mouth of a child that one song of praise out of an infant creates a stronghold against which God's enemies cannot stand. Come on. And we live defeated? This is amazing what we do, friends. So when we're here, and you know this, you know this from our hearts in worship and worship experience. When we come here, we don't come here to escape reality. We come here to proclaim the reality. We come here to be reminded of the reality. We don't come here and go, oh, I'll get a little nice warm fuzzy because the real world's awful and I'll come here and it's my little, you know, salve against you know, reality. No, we don't do that. And we also don't come to a little campfire sing-along. We don't come to a little weekly seminar so I can learn more about what it is I believe or whatever. We come here to proclaim the reality that is one day coming in its fullness that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because Jesus said he came to set the captives free, to make the blind see and the lame walk. And my friends, we may not have seen that kind of miracle in our, in our experience, and we may never, but my lame heart walks, and my blind eyes see. And that's the message we bring. We proclaim that reality. That's what we do when we worship. So I'm telling you what, when we get all serious about singing songs, It's not because we think, don't you like our guitar? It's because we are saying that this reality is true, that his enemies, because God's enemies, because of our speaking his praise and our worship, his enemies cannot stand in that. And the kingdom of God will come one day fully, but now it is coming, friends, and he's not even winning now. Does this year need to be a year of remembering that God can and will have an impact on your world because of you and because of us? With his love and his power and his salvation and his transformation, that's his good news for this county. How will that change how you live and how you love and how you invest, and how you hope, and how you keep courage in the battle. You with me on that? These are things, friends, I've forgotten. And I think we all need to be remembering them. Psalm 103. Come on up, team. I want to lead this worship team. We're going to respond the rest of our time in worship.
music worship. Listen to this call to our worship time in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, the true heart of who I am. Praise his holy one and only name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and listen, and forget not his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases and redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed, so that your youth, what you used to be and believe, is renewed. That's Sabbath worship. I'm going to ask you to stand as we have a few minutes of responding to the Lord in worship. Our God is present by his Holy Spirit in us and as that spirit prompts us to authentic worship and praise, the enemy is vanquished. The powers are overcome and Jesus can have victory in your life, in this place. Do you believe that? In this new year, where do you need to be reminded that Jesus today can have victory in you? Over your sin, your habits, your hard heart, what is it that you need God to do? As you worship him, trust God that the victory has become. And I'll go one step further. When I said to you that God had said to me, all I've ever wanted is your heart you've kept it from me for all kinds of reasons. You're a doer and it's been safe and you haven't wanted to look at yourself. Come back. Give me your heart. It's finished. There's no condemnation and the victory is mine. If you need that reminder and the beginning steps of stepping into that life and faith in Christ, I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing. I'm going to ask you to come up here and stand here before the Lord in his presence and tell him, here's my heart again. I need you and I need your work and I need these reminders. If this message was a watershed for you, the beginning of 2014, I want you to physically come and acknowledge that by that kind of a coming forward and worship before the Lord with maybe just me, but others who are saying, today's a big day for me. Respond to the Lord.